Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a discussion that you might have heard a little bit of in some of my Q&A sessions recently about casual versus hardcore players. Who is Bungie actually making Destiny 4? If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com. That'll bring you right to my Twitch channel, and I'm usually live when these hit the feeds if you want to come in and join. A lot of folks have been coming over from YouTube and the other platforms. Thank you for doing that. If you're watching on YouTube, hitting like, subscribe, and hitting the bell button really helps me out, especially and the comments you guys have been leaving. It's been nice to hear from you. So, casual versus hardcore. Why is this discussion coming to a head right now? You know, we're we're uh, we're a month in to Season of Dawn, and there's a discussion brewing, largely being led by. Uh, you know, 1% players, hardcore players, people that are in more of a minority in the player base. They play lots of hours. They play the hardest content. We've had, you know, tweets uh, from content creators like T-Rex and Glad basically saying that the game is not delivering what they want. It feels too casual. It feels too easy. Uh, there's not enough substance. There's been people that have taken issue with the tr- with the drip feed style of content. They, they don't think that that's working either. By and large, I think they're setting an unhelpful narrative. Uh, ultimately, that's, what I'm, that's why I'm pushing back against it. I believe that a lot of the hardcore sentimentality has been overstated uh, in the game, and I also think traditionally Bungie has not been saying they're making content for the hardcore players, but for the hobbyist players. A hardcore player is a hobbyist, but a lot of the hobbyist players in the game do not play the hardest content. They don't play eight hours a day, and so I think we're getting a bit of a shaded and jaded view and sort of critique and summary of the content right now. Uh, the PVE player base numbers on a daily basis really back me on this. People seem to be responding positively uh, and the engagement's more healthy than it was during Black Armory, Drifter, and Opulence. So I actually think and want to preface and say, I am not saying if you're in the top 1% that if you're in the top 1% that Bungie should be starving you. I still think every season there needs to be some layer of difficulty so there is aspirational difficulty spectrum and a loot incentive attached to it. My Legend Sundial critique backs this statement. I I don't think you should be coming every season and just be be playing only mediocre content. I'm not saying that. Ultimately I think this comes down to a business decision. Bungie is selling seasonal content for a whopping $10 and because of that it's going to be more middle of the road content. If they stack too much in the aspirational side of things most people wouldn't get to it until very late in the season and they have technological limitations so most of what they're adding the seasonal content has to be removed so keep that in mind I'm not if you're a hardcore player if you've been playing pretty hard and heavy for the first month and you feel like the content's dry keep in mind I don't want you to stop playing or feel like you're being starved but I'm gonna really argue against saying that that's like an indictment of the content so expectations is what I want to start with There's a lot of things that are being glossed over, I think, by especially content creators and streamers that should honestly know better and shouldn't be setting a narrative that I think is really, really unhelpful and too demanding. And I'm just going to trot out some things that I think should really be setting expectations into a more tempered lane. First and foremost, they're self-published. They are no longer with Activision. They no longer have that funding. They no longer have that that revenue stream which then also came with the loss of bandwidth they no longer have high moon studios and vicarious visions shouldering bandwidth and development and building things like spire of stars or season of opulence or the menagerie or crown of sorrow so they've lost bandwidth the director's cut from luke smith also made it very clear that the the previous annual pass structure was very hard on the company and they were not going to be able to meet that rhythm and that substance level again so if you if you if you're a 
content creator and a streamer and you've seen all this happen all these shifts and all these changes self-published less bandwidth less people helping them build and luke smith says the previous annual pass structure was really hard on the company and and then you look at the actual stream before season of dawn where they didn't really even outline that much they really wanted to keep things low-key they wanted to keep seemingly expectations kind of low and then it's only a ten dollar season pass I think all of that needs to drive expectations. I believe people are creating their own expectations about the content that were never stated from Bungie, saying things like, if this game wants to become a traditional MMO. They never said they wanted to become a traditional MMO. If you go back and watch the original footage when they mentioned MMO, they talked about increasing stat and build crafting and making social experiences better in the game, because MMO at its core level is just a massive multiplayer online game. They're not going to turn this into, as they said, a subscription-style game where you're paying a subscription fee, which to me comes with it the idea of like a very grind-heavy, very hardcore style of game. So if you're creating that expectation, that's not something that Bungie has done. Also, the game content itself for the last five years, I believe, has set expectations that are not in line with what a lot of these people are saying. We've had five years of aspirational content, raids, that have not endured in their difficulty. It has been like this since Vogue. So for five years, if you're more of an aspirational style player, you're more of a hardcore player, even the content itself, I believe, has set an expectation that you're not going to get fed a whole lot of content if you're wanting content for the 1%. Raids get easier. A lot of these people have publicly said that the raids get really, really easy, and they, they're one and two manning them and three manning them the week that they come out. As soon as contest modifiers offer, as soon as people understand the mechanics, the raids become a joke to them. So, after five years of the most aspirational content in Destiny becoming easy for the 1%, I think you need to come to grips with reality that maybe you're asking for something from the game that it has never delivered and probably isn't planning on delivering. Also, DLC style versus drip style. That was the same pattern when we got King's Fall. So we got Taken King or Rise of Iron or Warmine or Osiris. Anytime they went to a DLC model or structure, I mean, King's Fall was a substantive DLC for $40. And I had people at the time, hardcore players, three weeks in saying they were bored and had nothing to do. So the pattern was set back then. It's the same pattern that we see now. You overplay for two, three weeks to four weeks, you know, like a month. You overplay. You play a ton. You play more than 99% of the community. And then you wonder why you're running out of stuff to do. So let's look at the 1%. That's the middle part of the video here. The 1%. To be clear, the 1% I don't think are hobbyists. They're their own breed of hardcore player. They play at a higher skill level. They do all these things that are not representative of the player base at large. They are the 1%. I would not consider them hobbyists, which is part of the problem here. This is where some of the breakdown, I believe, is happening. If you play more than 99% of the community and your skill level is higher than 99% of the community, you cannot expect content to be geared toward you again i said on the outside of this video i'm not asking you to be starved as a player that likes really hard content or really long grindy content but you gotta face facts you are anomalous you are an outlier you are not within the bell curve of the community so it's very unlikely that a ten dollar seasonal piece of content is going to have a ton of stuff for you because you are literally in the smallest percentage of the community which would be a pretty bad business decision for bungie to be like well ten dollars and 
and about half the content's going to be geared towards the most hardcore players. Again, there's a big difference between a hardcore player and a hobbyist. Also, if you're going to come out and publicly say things like raids are easy, it really means you're outside of the community's bell curve. Really. You're, you're, you're completely outside. When people looked at the Garden of Salvation completion rates recently, they said that the average team going into Garden of Salvation is beating it in two hours. You understand that if the average is two hours, that means there's people that are taking longer than two hours that are pulling that average up because there's plenty of teams going in there and beating it in 30, 40 minutes or an hour and those teams are pulling the average down. So if Garden's taking the average team two hours to beat when they go in there, that means the lion's share of the community, even the minority, raid runners are a minority, only about 10%, only about 10% of the community runs raids and even within that minority, most of the people running the raids are not running them and concluding that they are really easy. Because it's you know, two hours for a garden run is pretty long. Again, that means that lots of people going into the raids would it be unlikely for them to conclude that this is super, super easy. Efficiency is also a huge factor here. Not only do you play more than most of the community, you play at a skill level higher than the community. You just understand basic efficiency in the game. I'm in this group, by the way. I just grabbed a bunch of obelisk bounties this morning, and I completed them way faster than probably most people because I know the most efficient places to go and do it. I also have tons of hours to play the game, so it's not hard for me to do. I think the biggest problem right now, there's a very unhealthy pattern. That's the final part of the video here. There's a very unhealthy pattern right now. What people aren't realizing is that Bungie is essentially removing bad input. Okay, from the time that Escalation Protocol had its had its difficulty raised because people went to a community event and said it was too easy to the input from streamers at the summit where they said that leveling should be long and hard and infusion should be costly and content should be difficult from that time to now Bungie has slowly removed what I would consider to be bad input input from people that are not representative of the community at large changed things for the worst and they've had to remove those things. They they made Escalation Protocol easier. Uh, Forge Day 1, you couldn't go into it. Enhancement Core Cost, they made it more accessible. Leveling, they had to make easier. They had to do Surge Bounties. They had to do a Surge Quest. And now, when Shadowkeep lands, they've softened all those edges. All those edges that were hardcore and difficult and challenging and slow. Leveling was RNG based and you had to use Milestones and Infusion Costs were really difficult and there was content that people couldn't even do Day 1 and the Last Wish Raid Delta was the highest Delta we'd ever seen in a Raid Day 1. All those things have been removed because I believe it was ultimately bad input. It was people arguing for a sentimentality that is not representative of the community at large. The 1% are not the people playing day in, day out in the largest numbers. They do play the game and their input is helpful. I do think difficulty spectrum and having aspirational content is needed, but I think to the degree that people asked for it, it led to a lot of bad things in the game that have since been removed. And the player base numbers back me on this. The player base numbers are more stable and stronger in PvE than they were during Black Armory, Drifter, and Opulence. And Bungie seems to agree with what I'm saying, because ever since Forsaken Land they've been slowly removing that influence of leveling and hardcore and it should be tough and it should be it should be really 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 hard 
for the last four years that I've streamed this game, I've watched hardcore players and streamers get bored and decry that the game is boring and there's nothing to do. And then as soon as a trailer drops, they're back in, they're hyped, they're excited. And I find it to be incredibly unhelpful. Constantly speaking in glib platitudes about how the game is amazing and awesome, and then those same platitudes come back around in negative form a month later about how the content's not that enjoyable and it's boring. You have to remember, these are self-imposed droughts. Just because you play more than most of the community, that is not an indictment of the content's substance. It's more of an indication that you play more than everybody else. That's where I feel like a lot of these bad conclusions are coming from. You play more than 99% of the community. That's not an indictment of the content. It's an indication. It's indicative of your playstyle. These are self-imposed droughts. And those are not the content's fault. They're really not. If you grinded the four obelisks in your season pass and your artifact and you played like crazy for the first month, that scales down to the rest of the player base in probably a pretty good way, right? Because if you did it all in a month, it's probably going to take a medium player, a mid lane player, a month and a half to two months. That's not bad for a three month season, really, to get to where they feel like they're at the end of the season and now they can really focus on grinding the sundial. Now they've got the the, the double perks and the, the obelisks maxed and now they want to chase god rolls. When you shortcut the game's rhythm, you can't act like the content's not substantive enough. When you live in a lost sector or you, you go off by yourself and maximize your, your, your bounty efficiency you can't turn and blame the content for being not substantive enough when you're running over it ripshod and then turning around and being like we need more we need more again the one percent are not they are not representative of the community at large that's why for the last year i've taken a ton of flack for arguing for these things to be removed now i know this is what people are going to say and i should have put this earlier in the video you're just arguing for casualification the game is so casual now it seems incredibly, it seems incredibly cognitive, like, there's like a cognitive dissonance here. If you grind for an entire month for 8 to 10 hours a day, some of these streamers were streaming for like 16 hours a day because it's good for business to be in the directory and to play when the content's hot and to get all the things first, okay? That's not a slam. I do similar things. I play Destiny way more those first couple of weeks. I wasn't pivoting to other games, okay? There's like a cognitive dissonance. You cannot play for an entire month, 8 hours a day to get everything kind of done and then conclude they've really casualified the game. There's no way anybody's going to look at your play hours to get the four obelisks maxed and to get your season pass maxed and to get god rolls in the sundial. You can't look at the hours it took to get there and then conclude that the game has been casualified. That doesn't add up. That's illogical. Anybody who plays a medium amount of hours or a low amount of hours is going to look at the hours required to do what you have done and they are not going to conclude that the game has been casualified for them. You cannot discount the number of hours put in up to this point that puts you ahead of the rhythm of the season and puts you ahead of the rhythm of the content. That is not indicative of the content's fault or it being too casual. I've never argued for casualification. I've argued for accessibility and spectrum. And I believe for the $10, they've done a pretty good job of that with Season of Dawn. As always, if you're listening to this content and all the other places, I appreciate you doing doing that. Uh, You can go to saynotorage.com to catch me live. And as always, please like, share, and subscribe.
Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my question and answer session that followed my talk about casual versus hardcores. Who is Bungie making Destiny 4? If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com. It'll bring you right to my Twitch channel. Going to jump right into the questions. Jay Chris, uh, do you think there's a symbiotic relationship between hardcore and casuals? If so, can you give an example? Um, I don't know. I feel like a lot of it is... Um, a lot of it is not necessarily a bit. There's not a really good lane for symbiosis to happen, or symbiosis, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, it was just one of those things that the way they've structured content now, you're either going to group up with your existing team and go, or you're going to use matchmaking. So a casual player and a hardcore player can't really come together and both benefit from each other's existence. Now, raid helpers and raid Sherpas, sure, you know, you if you're a Sherpa and you're a raid help stream or a service stream or a trials stream, you know, we don't have trials yet, but I mean, we know it's coming. Then sure, there's a symbiosis there, right? You both benefit from the other's existence. That's, what's, that's what symbiotic means, right? I'm benefiting from your relationship. It's like the a great example are, you know, the fish that'll like eat the stuff off of a big fish and it's like, it's helpful to the big fish and it feeds the little fish. Same idea here if i need people to run raids with then i can run the raffle system and then that creates this like oh people are coming in and watching and raffling supports me as a streamer and then hey you get helped in a raid we both benefit i don't think there's a whole lot of instances right now in the game where a hardcore and a casual are both benefiting from the other's existence because if you're a hardcore and you run through stuff quickly you have buddies that you play with and you're just going to boot up and play with them you're not really going to be down in the slums with the casuals no offense to the casuals i love you and been taking up for you for uh, you know the, the duration of my career in broadcasting i love i love casuals but they're not going to go down and slum it they're just not um now hardcores probably benefit the most from a full funnel of players and this is why i always argued that if trials comes back they need to have the bounties the way the trials bounties worked before rise of iron because there was lots of casuals in the player pool that speeds up matchmaking that lets the cards not be so sweaty that increases the likelihood of there being people in your region to play against so connectivity is better so that's an area where sure i think casuals and hardcores benefit from the other you know the the other person's existence casuals don't really benefit a whole lot from hardcores except for like maybe like when they they charge ahead and they they beat stuff first and then they can use their their youtubes and their twitch streams for guides on how to beat stuff uh i think in that regard it you know it's helpful and 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 you can kind of benefit from their existence but a lot of the casual players um don't really use youtube they don't really use twitch so that's not really something that they would even see so in general i think the game has funnels that fill up with both types of players but the hardcore players tend to sort of have their own groups that they play with. This is one of the reasons that guided games have never worked very well, because there's plenty of what you would consider to be casual players or players that need help, and the players that could help them, the players that are knowledgeable about raids, that's a bad sampling of people for, for guided games. And what I mean by that is, let's say at a given time, there's 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 10,000 people on a Friday afternoon that are trying to raid uh, on PC, right? Out of that 10,000, the people that know what they're doing and could help a team, they're already, they already have a team or they're, or they're accustomed to using LFG. They're fine using LFG or they have a clan or they have people. So that funnel gets really dissonant. There's tons of people in the guided games 
funnel that need help but there's not a lot of people in there willing to help because they already have people that they play with or they're comfortable using LFG you know what I'm saying so that's where I think there's a huge disconnect on on guided games as an example that the hardcore players the knowledgeable players, the players that could lead a team in a raid, they're over here. They're not really needing to go into the guided games funnel because they either have a clan, have a friends list, or they're comfortable using LFG. That's why guided games never really went anywhere. Uh, Ash and Hollow with the next question. Why doesn't Bungie just do uh, what they've done with the Nightfall ordeals when it comes to Sundial? You reward people with more armor drops the higher you go, better chance for stats with the higher materials. We, we've kind of visited this question in a variety of ways. Nobody's really asked it exactly how you asked it, but we've, we've dealt with this question quite a bit. And ultimately, I believe Bungie has been painted into a corner by default. And what I mean by this is because they've admitted there's technological restrictions and that seasonal content will be content that comes into the game and goes away, okay? There's a technological necessity there. I don't think Bungie wants to create content that they then take out of the game. I don't think that's like a desire. They weren't like, you know what would be great? It's for us to dedicate development time, bandwidth, and resources to content that we take away later. I don't think that's something that they're like celebrating. It's a technological necessity, Okay. And because of that, I believe they're somewhat painted into a corner. So there's an automatic standard right away of you're creating content that's going to go away. So now you have a looming time limit. And when you're creating content with that looming time limit, I think it's difficult for them to say, let's really fill the upper rafters and the upper echelons with dope stuff. Because people will then feel a value disconnect. I spent $10 and I'm not getting the full value of the season because a certain percentage of it is up out of my reach or it's so far out of my reach that by the time I can reach up there to that upper rung of the content value, the season's almost over. So, you know, it's the last month or the last two to three weeks of the season and they just finally get to the place where they can do the upper echelons of the content and they're going to feel like, well, this freaking sucks. So Bungie is, I believe, naturally and almost systemically painted into a corner with this seasonal content. I'm not defending the lack of incentive, by the way. I do think that they could afford to say, listen, we could have reserved the extra perks at level 92 for Legend. We could have had an extra armor drop. We could have had curated rolls dropping. So even if you don't need the gun, there's a high likelihood of getting the curated roll, which gives you the enhancement course. Something so that the casual player doesn't feel like there's a significant value disconnect where you put a bunch of value up out of my reach and I'm never going to get there. It'd be like, well, there are better versions of the guns or they're, they're, they're better perks but they're not different guns they're not they're not they're not pinnacle versions of the guns they're not ritualistic versions of the guns they have an extra perk that's a marginal benefit that i think would they, they could have gotten away with chromie put do you think bungie should somehow go back to when they did in dark below by leaving guns behind I get a lot of hate for this when I argue for it, but I ultimately think there needs to be a point in time where they do let guns fade into the background because it, if without without resets, uh, without a pruning of the loot pool, uh, I believe that the loot pool will slowly but surely just get too bloated and too full. Um, and I get a lot of flack for this every time I uh, I bring it up. So I I don't necessarily know when they could do it or how they could do it, but by and large, I, I think the loot pool is becoming a little bit bloated, and they're gonna have to consider ways to thin it out. You gotta prune you gotta prune that loot loot bush every once in a while. Um, 
and I mean, and the database is just going to keep filling up. Right now, right now, you could easily, I think, easily go in and get rid of a bunch of the blues and greens in the database that don't even really need to drop anymore. At the very least, delete every single white and green item from the database. They are literally not needed. They aren't. Um, so, and and from a loot incentive standpoint, a pruning helps. Um, even if it's a passive pruning, September of this year, let's imagine that they are doing a DLC and they call it the Taken Queen and we go back to the Dreadnought. It'd be really cool if all of the guns that drop beyond there have something new and cool about them that makes you sort of automatically leave behind your old loot. You know? And then people always say this. They're like, well, what's the point in grinding? What's the point in grinding? It's always going to be that way in a loot-based game. There's going to you're going to have to I think reach a point where you shed the old and chase the new. If not, why the frick are you playing? Um, you know, I they there there's got to be that point. And I think it's painful pruning the, the nature of pruning anything is is not like a is not something that's like celebratory, but it allows it allows the plant to grow. You're you're cutting off certain things that might seem it's like an act of violence against the bush. It's like, oh my gosh, why are you cutting pieces of it off so that it can grow and flourish and not get and not choke itself? And I believe that the loot pool can get to a place where it chokes itself because you literally give no room for any new archetypes or any new loot incentive because you have so much loot. Um, and people always want to disagree with me on that fact, but one of the most celebrated times in Destiny is Taken King, and Taken King did exactly that. And I think that there is a time and a place for it, I believe, every 18 months. Every year to 18 months, you'd start dropping pieces of the loot pool off and leaving it behind in, in some way. In, in some way. Um, it could still... Uh, they, they, this is off the top of my head, and people are probably going to hate this, but they could do a... Um, they could do a weathered effect where the gun just gets old and it's weathered and when it goes into hard content it's extremely weak like right now when there's it's below the power level of the content it feels weak um it could get sort of a mark on its little thumbnail and it could be weathered and it could work just fine in public events it could work just fine in in the low tier content but the minute you go into something that's at level th- they could start to base it that'd be like a form of retiring really old guns you know Ikelos shotgun right now could could be could be a weathered gun. It just isn't going to work in aspirational content. It's not going to work in end game content. It's not going to work in at level content. You just start kind of leaving it behind. It's old. Um, and I know people are probably like, that sounds terrible, Ono. Why are you going to reach into the game and mess up my guns? They're not going to mess up your guns. You could still run significant amount of the content with it, but again, it's a loot based game. There's, there's got to come a time where you shed the old and chase the new, or it's going to get too bloated. Hockey Dan. On top of your idea of extending raid incentives, do you think that the reintroduction of raid layers would help give hardcore players something to look forward to? To me, it seems less demanding to release one raid layer a year than use the same assets in the same location as a yearly raid. Um, well... If you're trying to interact, I don't. I, the, la- the second part of your question doesn't make sense to me. It seems less demanding to release one raid layer a year that uses the same assets and the same. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand why you're asking this question. This is literally. This sounds like my idea repackaged. Maybe you've never heard me say this, but 
I've said numerous times that if they're going to do a raid layer in the spring to reuse Garden, like go in and change some of the encounters and update the loot. I've also said that Garden of Salvation could be the raid for the year and you refresh us an NPC every season that has different reasons to grind the raid. So right now we would have a, a season where imagine this is the raid NPC that I'm looking at here. This is Zer, but you, you'd look, you'd come here and you'd have a weapon frame for two of the raid weapons, and you'd have bounties, and you'd have rank rewards. Like if you run the raid enough, you're going to get ornaments for those raid guns and maybe ornaments for some of the armor. And then when the spring season happens, you change the weapon frames and you change the ornaments and you change the seasonal reward rank rewards. So by the time you're done with the winter, spring, and summer season, you are done with guard. You have all the rolls on the guns that you want. You have all the ornaments for everything. You are done with that raid. Or you could do a raid layer where you kind of go back in and, and they use the same assets. Um, so either either in either scenario, these are ideas that we've trotted out as being like, this would be a way of doing a raid layer without building something brand new like Spire or Eater of Worlds because Spire wasn't even built by Bungie. Crown of Sorrow wasn't built by Bungie. I think the most substantive raid layer style raid they've done is Scourge. Eater of Worlds is really freaking small. So, and then Spire wasn't built by them and Crown wasn't built by them. The only small raid that feels substantive is Scourge and even Scourge is, is, is pretty small. Raffi, do you think that they should add mini games to the tower in the future, just like Borderlands with the slot machine, the tire game on the moon? Can we see mini games in the future for glimmer materials and the bigger material you put in the game, the higher the reward can be? I don't think this really works. No, I think it works in Borderlands. The tire game is obviously kind of chintzy uh, and fun, but I don't think this is a needed thing. No, um, I don't want people grinding for gear in the tower. I didn't. I didn't like when they did random rolls in the tower either. Like. It was fun every Tuesday to check all the rolls in the tower, like in like a ritualistic way. But at the same time, at the, at the at the same time, you 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 don't really want to be doing that. We were enjoying getting random rolls in the tower because there was literally nothing else going on. Like you know what I'm saying? There was nothing else going on. So I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think you want people doing mini games in the tower for for loot and stuff. Foss Green. As a hobby player, I find it hard to bring friends into the main bulk of the content. This struggle has really made me realize how hard it is for casual players to graduate into regulars. What are some things that you think the game could do a better job of introducing blueberries to the rest of the content? And if they already exist on the path uh, to do so, what is it? They're close to actually getting this right. I think it's better than it's been, but they're still. I don't think it's arrived or they're done yet, okay? It's better than it used to be. When you hit level 900, the game changes. All the milestones appear, right? And I think that's good. You're kind of introducing somebody to the idea that, like, now that you're 900, there's all these things to go after that are going to raise your level. I do think they could do something in the in the in the UI. I always said that once you hit max level, the whole UI should change. All of these yellow circles for challenges should instead be a weapon drop, a bounty, a frame, something that that sort of educates the player. Hey, you're max level now, so this is you going for a, a certain gun. You're sort of training them to think about loot pursuit, role, you know, god roll pursuit, that kind of a thing. Um, I, I think that would help. 
because there has to be a sense of like you you're growing up in the game right you graduated you're 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 no longer and i think they don't do a great job of that i think another thing they could do is uh the, the tower UI. So you hit nine fit you hit nine hundred and all these new things appear. And then you hit nine fifty and when I highlight these guys, instead of it saying powerful gear, it should show me what frames they have available. All of a sudden it's like, hey, Zavala now has frames available or loot pursuits available that you didn't pre- you couldn't previously get. And other people are like, I'm sick of weapon frames. I just think they work really, really well to the point that they are a great way for replenishing uh, an NPC every season. They're great for, uh, you know, updating the game and making it feel like there's new things to chase. And that's a great way of sort of educating a player who's traditionally just kind of been running around and doing nothing but like leveling up and killing stuff to being like, oh, I can pursue particular types of guns and things in this game that I like. I feel like every NPC should be set up that way. If you if you drag your your little mouse icon over Devrim K, he should have a weapon frame that rotates season to season. So right now he should have the old fashioned, and you should just be able to grab that from him as much as you possibly want. It, listen, some may be like, do you do you really want people doing that, Lono? Do you really want people grabbing a frame from Devrim K and grinding for guns on the EDZ? Yes, and here's why you are now kind of ingratiating that player with the mindset of I can grab this, complete it, and it spits out a weapon that I may or may not like or may may or may not have the roles that I want. So, then when they look at Sundial, they look at the system of the Sundial and the obelisks and the loot pursuit of the Sundial, you have now trained or kind of conditioned this player to understand what an endgame loot pursuit kind of looks like in Bungie, uh, in Destiny. You're giving them like that bottom rung to step on, like, all right, hey, buddy, you like running pub events and, and running around the public space. Here's sort of an entry point into what loot pursuit and loot grind. Lo- Why did I just get glimmer? What that looks like in Destiny. You're, 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 oh, uh, oh, so when I go to Zavala and he has this and I go to Shax or when, oh, the, the sundial and these obelisks and all these frames and all these guns that drop at the end, I am now pursuing a good version of a gun. How many people have you run into that don't give a rip about a gun roll, don't care about a gun roll, maybe don't even understand that what a, what a god roll, good roll, bad roll is? You know, I just, they could, man, they could even come up with, this is, we're, we're really getting deep into this, but you could even start to come up with, like, color coding the perks. So, like, damage perks could be red, reload perks could be blue, you know, um, magazine perks could be green, and range perks could be purple or whatever, and you could have a little color code down here that explains it to you. Maybe even do it over here. So when you see this, when you see ricochet rounds, and it's it's like let's say ricochet rounds because it adds adds range. It's it's a green perk, okay? You would see that represented over here because they add the little extra yellow from from master working it, right? But you could go range, and you're like, oh, there's a little green bar there. Oh, that makes sense. Oh feeding frenzy oh that's a blue perk it's for reload and you could even see over here like a little blue bar that would be like oh that's how fast my reload speed is when when feeding frenzy is procced and then damage obviously you would just make red i mean you can't really necessarily uh put it over here but again, maybe you just put some intrinsic things in there where somebody looks at a, ro- a, 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 a roll on their gun and they're like, 
oh, these things contribute to these things and make the gun more efficient. You know what I'm saying? I know a lot of people might say they don't need to do that, Lono. It's so easy. It's so easy to understand all this stuff. You know, I at the same time, I think that they... They don't have to educate the player about that, but I do think some UI changes and some of the changes at the NPCs, some of the things that would change maybe when you level up, would maybe pull people up out of the, I just kind of run around and don't do much, I love the game, it's really satisfying, and pull them up into a, you know, week to week, I'm going to chase a certain gun. You give them that bottom rung entry point and make it easy for them to grab a bounty or a frame. That's why I think weapon frames with Ada were the beginning of a really good change of loot pursuit in the game. It's more accessible, but a hardcore player is going to go the distance and get the absolute perfect roll. Why a more casual player is just happy to get the gun. They're like, oh, that's nice. I like this gun. Let me try and get another one. They don't play enough to go for a god roll. They're just, oh, I got a, I got a kindled orchid. All right, let me go for something next week. You know, I think weapon frames are really, really good for the, 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 the gamut and the spectrum of the players in the game. Uh, is the roll on? Is this roll on Luna's any good? Yeah, yeah. Frigging Is Luna, or are you talking about Luna faction? Uh, that's the thing. When somebody says Luna's, are they talking about the the Luna's Hal? Are they talking about Is Luna, or are they talking about Luna factions? It's like, which is it? <laughs> which is it? Which are you talking about? Um, TX Blue. If you believe choosing the hobbyist over the hardcore is the right decision, why, in your opinion, did a lot of people consider D2 Year 1 a flop? This is a good question, and I know a lot of people are going to run to the comments of my casual versus hardcore video, and they're not going to get to the end. At the very end, I argue that they are clearly not casualifying the game, because the amount of hours it takes to really max out a lot of these things are not casual engagement hours. A hobbyist is not a casual, okay? A lot of hobbyist players are putting in two and three hours a night, multiple hours a night and week, and those are not casual players. The casualification of D2 year one was static rolls, so you do not have to put in a lot of time to get a good roll on a gun. You just get the gun and you're done. Double primary, getting raid loot without running the raid, getting trials loot without running trials. At every layer of the game, they were just handing you stuff that required no pursuit, no longevity, no grind. Right now, I don't know how anybody, I don't know how anybody can look at the four obelisks the season pass, the god roll pursuit in Sundial, and try to claim that it's casualified. It is not. It is not casualified. The amount of hours it takes to do those things is significant. The amount of hours it took somebody to get to the to the level that we're at now, those of us that have everything maxed out and are pursuing god rolls, it's not casual at all. And somebody says, but it's all but it's all bounties. So? What are you talking about? There was tons of bounties in D1. Rolling over your rank with a vanguard or a faction or or chasing god rolls, whether it was through the the skeleton key system or, uh, or, or just grinding for the gun to drop, like I guess just play PvP all day. There was no intentionality for a lot of the guns back there anyway. So now what you've got is... I believe now what we have is really, really, really good spectrum. If you want a god roll, you can put in the time and go crazy until you get it. If you're more casual, you can just play, kind of level up passively, and you're just happy to get the gun when it drops. You know what I mean? I, I I think in general, I think in general, they they have created that spectrum so when someone says they're casualifying the game or they're you know or they're they're 
they're they're they're dumbing down the game. I don't think you can say that after a month of hardcore grinding. Stack up all the hours that it took you to get to where you are now and then hand that to a casual like, here you go, here's what you have to do. They're gonna be like, dude, that's gonna take me a month and a half, two months, that's gonna take for a while. Just today we did a poll just to see what chat thought you know there was 1300 people in chat and uh i think like 150 to 200 people did the poll and 80 percent 80 percent concluded that they're still playing and still have things to do and about 20 percent said that they were bored or that they had stopped playing and so i think in general even in that sampling twitch chats not a great sampling because they're they're really dedicated players right they play a lot I think most hobbyist players, the people that log in day-to-day and week-to-week, are totally fine with what's been going on. They're happy with it. They're enjoying themselves, and I believe the PvE player base numbers back me on this. I don't think we're regressing. I don't. I do, I do not. I've said this numerous times. People have to come to grips with the fact that hardcore content did not land well on this community. There's a difference between a hyper-casual player and a hobbyist. I think there's tons of hobbyists. They play for six hours a day, five hours a day, whatever, and but they don't want to go run something that's ridiculously challenging or difficult. They don't want something to take an inordinate amount of time, okay? So, from Forsaken to now, Forsaken and the Annual Pass to now with Shadowkeep and the new and the new Season Pass format, they have been removing what I conclu- what I continue to say for the last year was bad input. They've been removing bad input. The idea that infusion and leveling should take a long time. Nope, they removed that from the game. Leveling and infusion is super easy right now. Content should be hard. It should take a long time. It should be really challenging. No, they've made content more accessible with things like Menagerie and Sundial. And, and as far as we can tell, the community is responding more positively to it with their engagement than they did during Black Armory, Drifter, and Opulence, where Bungie was putting band-aids on a problem of disengagement with search bounties and search quests and making enhancement cores more available. Like, they've been continually, for the last couple, I would say, for the last year to year and a half, they've had to remove what is ultimately bad input. Increasing the difficulty of escalation protocol. That was bad input. They had to lower it. Making it so people couldn't go into the forge day one. That's bad input. Making stuff inaccessible, stuff that's hard, stuff that you have to work for, stuff that kicks you in the teeth. They had to lower the power level of the first forge. Leveling speed, infusion costs, all these things, all that bad inputs getting removed from the game. Because ultimately you got to come to grips with the fact that people can put in hardcore hours while having a casual spirit. And I think there's a lot more people who put in hardcore hours but have a casual spirit. Heart like hobbyist hours and and hardcore hours don't necessarily translate into somebody who wants a two-man raid or wants to play something that's ridiculously hard or they want leveling and infusion and all this super slow, costly grind like People have clearly communicated they don't want that. And Bungie looks at the player base numbers and the player base feedback. They saw trends and they have slowly removed that input from the streamers and people that, 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 that had that input and one of those things put into the game. They've just been consistently over the last year and year and a half proven to be wrong about like, that's what's going to be good for the game's longevity. It simply isn't, which is why I'm continuing to push against the narrative. The narrative coming from surprise, surprise, it's coming from streamers, people who play like as a career, people who play nonstop for a month, right? They're creating this narrative that drip feed content's not working and the seasonal content's not working and they're wrong. 
they were wrong when they asked for hardcore leveling and slow and slow leveling and costly infusion and really really challenging content and they wanted difficulty raised and escalation protocol and other things they were wrong then and they're wrong now and that's why I'm going to keep pushing back against it because I don't think it's good for the game and I don't think it's good for the narrative to to play a disproportionate amount of time and conclude that that's a problem with the content like you play a ton and it's the content's fault that you ran out of content isn't that where the narrative for PvP comes to? Not necessarily. No, Captain. No. PvP numbers. PvP numbers are way, way down. They're way down. And that's not because of streamers. That's because Bungie made changes and did things and they haven't been feeding Crucible. Listen, this is oh, this is such a great way to make the argument. Look at what happens to Crucible when you don't feed Crucible a ritualistic daily weekly grind. The numbers drop into the 300,000s, okay? And then look at the PvE numbers. A million players a day. So clearly, the PvE community feels like they're being fed content because they continue to play. And when you starve the Crucible, the Crucible numbers go down. That's such a perfect way to create a clear picture that the seasonal drip feed model is working for PvE. Because a million a day versus what happened with Crucible. Crucible, before Season of Dawn, was a million a day, and it went way down. Why? Because they had something to grind for in Undying. Randy's was a long grind and I also think the matchmaking and the team balancing wasn't as bad back then and it got way worse in season of dawn so when you starve the crucible and you don't give them a daily weekly ritual grind and you make changes to to, to matchmaking the numbers just go way down cheating is obviously not helping but cheating is is more cheating is more prevalent on 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 pc I think that's a clear picture that they're getting something right in pve and they're getting something wrong in pvp the numbers are so starkly and 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 and, and contrast. They're so they're so different. They're so different. You again. You just it's it's ignorant. I think it's ignorant to look at this format and this drip feed and the player base numbers and to conclude that it's not good, not working, or not substantive enough because you played a bunch in December. Uh, click fire. Where do you think the story and narrative is going over the next two years, and what about the fall DLC will be based on? I believe the fall DLC will be the culmination of Savathun, a return to the Dreadnought. Savathun will be the main antagonist. That'll bring a bunch of threads back into the game. I ultimately believe that the pyramid ships are going to show up and need to be dealt with, and that will be the end of D2 into D3. I believe the pyramid ships will be the catalyst to the next game. I continue to think that we're going to want to beat Savathun and defeat her and the Dreadnought, and then ultimately we're going to come to the conclusion, probably from someone like Drifter, we have all these unlikely allies, right? Whether it's whether it's Uldren, because he's going to come back, whether it's Spider or the Drifter, we have all these unlikely allies, Callus. Somebody is going to give us the idea that we need to repower the Dreadnought and use its weapon against the Pyramid Ships. I think in doing so, it will cause chaos and disruption, which will lead to Destiny 3. This is all theory. I'm just making this up, right? I, they, they could do they could do none of this, but that's where I, I think I could see things going. Uh, D Lex, do you think the no Aldrin's alive? There's a, there's a clip of him coming back. He's he's back alive. He got resurrected by a, a, a ghost, and then there's lore to indicate that he lives on the outskirts of uh, of of civilization and doesn't really understand why he feels the way that he feels. He has no memory of what he did. Uh, it's in the lore at this point. 
Um, Casual Wars Hardcore is so stupid. For example, my wife plays 10 hours per week, but she's unbroken and has all the exotics, and she's over 300 raid clears, all raids combined. She's not even done a single uh, Escalation Protocol or Menagerie. I play 25 to 30 hours a week and have only Wayfair and maybe a quarter completion. She is casual. I am hardcore. Well, that's what I mean. Like, wherever you focus your attention is generally where, you know, where you're going to have a lot of your stuff. A lot of the hardcore players aren't even grinding... They're not even grinding Sundial. Like they're they're just that's not even important to them. They want really challenging content. They want really hard stuff. They want aspirational content. I don't disagree that there could be aspirational difficulty spectrum, but I also don't think that that you can feed you can't feed the one percent with ten dollar content. I just don't think that you can. You're in the one percent. You play more, right? You play more than most of the community, and you have a higher skill level than most of the community. So you can't expect them to feed you. Because they they would they would naturally feed you, right? They would naturally feed you and starve the rest because it's such a disproportionate style of content. And as I've said, for the last five years, their aspirational content becomes a joke to the hardcore players. All of the raids from Vog to now become a joke to the one percent. So what the frick do you think they're going to make for you? What are they going to make? They have an entire team dedicated to making raids and they're a joke to you a week later. So what what expectations been set by five years of content creation from Bungie and development? They've developed content and, 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 and stuff for us to do for five years that has never been an enduring challenge or a hardcore thing ever. And anything that is really, really difficult or hardcore or tough or slow or grindy, they've softened over the years because the community largely doesn't like it. Whether it's Extinguish and Nightfalls in D1, the timer in Nightfalls in D2, the leveling and infusion speed and cost in in Forsaken to now, they've just continued to soften those edges because it makes people stop playing. It pushes people out. Iron... Uh, Iron Man, what do you think if Bungie starts putting weapons with good perks in the raids and you can't get them anywhere uh, and the 1% hardcore players have something to go for? I do think this is something that is missing, but I don't know if it's the answer. Does that make sense? I don't know if that's the answer. I don't know if hardcore players are going to be satisfied by really, really unique or really, really great weapons. Like if you start putting Fatebringer level weapons, right? Fatebringer was at a level that like no other gun was at the time. If you do that, you're going to have to do a couple of things that again might not be the answer. You'd have to have the drop rate be really really low. Case in point, 1k voices in the anarchy. I still don't have one. And when you do that, I just I don't think that that works. It becomes purely transactional. It's like I'm going to run this every week and hope this drops and then I'm done. And they're hardcore, so it's not even challenging. They're just running the raid, hoping to get the Fatebringer, hoping to get the Anarchy, and then they're done. It's not like an enduring value point. It's like, it's literally a transaction of time. They're not going in afresh every week and be like, oh, this raid's so amazing. They're going in and be like, give me the frickin' gun, and they don't get it, and then they leave, and they, they come back the next week. So I don't know if this is even the answer. The hardcore sentimentality is, I, I think, I think, the hardcore sentimentality is asking for content and a version of Destiny that will never exist. That's what I think. I, they're, at a, they're, at a, they're at a level of skill and a level of, of, of playtime every week that is so outside the norm. Um, it's so outside the norm. I really, really don't think that th- there's, there's, there's any way they're going to give them what they want. It just doesn't. If, if, 
80% of the community is well below their skill level and their play style and their play engagement and all those things. They're selling to those people. They're selling to those people. Ultimately, it comes down to a business decision. You know, it comes down to a business decision. They're targeting the majority because they have limited bandwidth and it's only it's 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 a very very small offering of content which means it's going to be primarily dominated by accessible mid-lane content. Click fire. Would you be open to paying $10 a month for extra loot, more missions and a raid every season? We've gotten a version of this question almost every day. It's not about my willingness to pay it. Of course I'd be willing to pay $10 for more stuff to do in Destiny. That's like a that's like a that's like a T-ball question. Of course, of course. You play Destiny every day and you love Destiny, and you have a bunch of loot and you have a maxed out season pass. Lono, would you be willing to spend more money for more content? Of course, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. It would get twisted into a nickel and diming cash grab narrative, right? They would just they would just claim that they're nickel and diming us. Oh, they can't give us enough content in the season pass. They're ripping stuff out of the season pass and trying to sell it piecemeal. Just nickel and dime us, Bungie. That's what it would get turned into. It wouldn't work. It would get rejected ultimately as a as a as a nickel and diming cash grab. Even if you could accurately say and argue with certainty that like this is extra content created by another company or it was subcontracted, it's over and above the season pass. You know what I'm saying? People would still claim that it's a it's a nickel and dime cash grab and I don't think that's a proper structure of content delivery anyway you would really splice up the community and really segment the community because it'd be the haves and the have nots they don't they don't charge for maps in almost any game anymore whether it's Call of Duty uh, Titanfall pioneered this 343 backed it with Halo 5 you can't monetize maps because it fragments the community so you start monetizing pieces of the game like that and it really wouldn't work it'd be too many haves and have nots it would really really fragment uh, the player base hammer with a brand new sub enjoy your dope badge and emotes because uh, you're dope and deserve dope stuff uh, enjoy ad free viewing more cowbell with a 14 month resub I missed it it was like a half an hour ago I am sorry more cowbell EBL. What do you think about balancing PvP around the top 1%? They've never really done this. This is a false... I think this is another false narrative. Um, They've never really done this. The top 1% tends to become vocal about the things that are the most frustrating, but they have never balanced PvP around the top 1%. If they balance PvP around the top 1%, you would only be able to get kills with a a hand cannon and and a sniper. Um, (laughs) Everything else would suck. Because they hate anything that's low skill ceiling. Anything that's low, I'm sorry, low skill floor. The top 1% PvP players hate anything with a low skill floor. Whether it's a shotgun, a shoulder charge, uh, a handheld supernova, a Lord of Wolves, or whatever. Anything that's low skill floor they hate. Which is understandable. It, it, it disrupts their ability to do skill skill expression because they can get killed by Johnny No Thumbs because there's so many things in the game that are, that are they're all, they're easy. It's, low, it's a low skill floor. They're complaining about snipers now. Yeah, I, I don't know <laughs> why. <laughs> what? Um, yeah, you can't balance around the top one percent. Top one percent are going to have an influence, right? Because they can expose some of the some of the worst exploits or some of the worst things. They can they can show some of the worst builds or some of the the, the most imbalanced things because they play at a high level. But you can't balance around them. You can't. You gotta you gotta consider them. You know what what crafty or gigs. Or, or wish you luck or any of those guys what they can do what little Sonic can do with weapons and abilities in the game has to be considered that's one of the biggest problems with low low skill floor items 
they're more they're almost more lethal and more annoying in the top 1%'s hands. They're more they're more lethal. They're more annoying when you put those in the hands of of B dubs or Lucky or Grenader Jake. It's way worse. It's way worse when they're holding that item. You give me a low skill ceiling a low skill floor item. Give me something that's really easy to use. Let's just say um, at its very worst, Lord of Wolves, when it was at its very worst. I think they've still tried to, like, tone it. No, actually, a better example. The Recluse on PC. Okay? The Recluse on PC. Very, very strong weapon. Very low uh, skill skill floor. Extremely easy to get kills with. Very, very fast TTK. Put it in my hands, and then put that in Ogre 2's hands. You know, put it in Tom's hands. It's not even comparable. It's, it's so much more lethal in his hands than mine. And so, yes, you have to consider the top 1%. I do think they expose certain things and they can highlight certain things in a different way, but you don't balance around them. You never legislate to the minority. That's a, that's a huge, huge danger. Fibbo. I'm a longtime RPG MMO player. For me, the definition of hardcore content is developers' answers to players' question where I can test my skill and my god rolls and it pushes my limits and what's my reward for that. D2 lacks that, so the question is if D2 would start implementing world tiers or something similar, how could the heart of D2... Uh, it would be the same for everybody. Okay, this is... little. It was a little confused, con- written in a confusing way, but I get where you're going with it. I talked about this earlier... One of the things they said in their video about like we want to we want to invest in the game being more of an MMO, they said more customization, more stats, and they delivered on that. You have tons of customization and tons of stats to fiddle with on your armor. The problem is almost none of the content presses in on you so that you feel the need for those things. The value and the experience, the impact of that power is more felt when you're challenged right so people are like stop nerfing things Bungie stop nerfing things we don't we want to feel powerful okay I could give you a weapon that is technically super powerful and one shots everything boom you're dead boom you're dead boom that boss is dead that boss is dead boss is dead do you feel powerful no I don't feel powerful well why not the gun I gave you is technically very powerful why don't you feel powerful power is best felt when you are challenged you have to be challenged it has to feel like your choice and your skill and the power of the weapon are are needed and met on the battlefield and so in in a similar vein the power and the influence of your stats and of your build they're not felt unless it's pressed upon so your skill and your loadout and doing something that's in line with your build, you're like, okay, I'm going to keep my grenade uptime really high. This weapon's got this perk and this skill. And this combines well with this exotic that I'm wearing. And all those things are firing. You don't even feel that. You could go into really easy content and like almost like show off. You're like, look at my grenade uptime. This is ridiculous. Like, boom, 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 and you're killing everything. You don't necessarily feel the impact of it because the content's not even really requiring it of you. And I always use the example of Nightmare Hunts at Master for a time trial because that really pressed on you. You really had to consider your loadout, your build, your timing with your teammates, having higher recovery or grenade uptime and different things. It it, it definitely was a... You felt that in the content. So I don't disagree. We need something like this, but currently the focus is more on hobbyist daily and weekly players, not players that want a min-max and also have content that requires a min-max. 
I just, I, it's just one of those things right now. It isn't, it doesn't seem to be the focus. Look, they've enabled you to chase God rolls. They've enabled you to min max. Well, why would I do that? At the current time, there's not a strong need to do it, but it's certainly something you can chase and do. You can certainly chase the God roll guns, and you can certainly chase the, the currency needed to take your, your, your armor all the way up to get to min-max your stats and to maximize your perks. You can certainly do that. There's not necessarily an impetus from the content to do it, but they're allowing you, as a more hardcore player, to be completely stacked to the rafters if you want. The hope would be that they would balance the game out so eventually there's more of an internal impetus and content requirement where you're saying, not only am I doing this, but there's really challenging contest modifier content or something where I feel the need to have a, 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 a fully you know, orbed build. There wasn't a need before either, really. That's really good input from Schnozberries. This is one of the points I was trying to make earlier. There's never been a time in Destiny where the challenge of a raid it really, really endures. Hardcore players have never really had a need for a god roll. We didn't need tier 12 in D1. We liked it. It was a trophy. It was a sense of power. It was a sense of like, look at what I've got. Look at my god roll. Look at my tier 12 build. It was never needed. That's why hardcore players, I said, they're asking for a version of Destiny that never existed and probably never will exist. The challenge is satisfying as many players as possible. And the further you get to the edges of the community, the less likely you're going to be satisfied. This cuts both ways, by the way. The 1% at the top of the pyramid, the people that play the hardest stuff, the people that do the challenges, and like you're making it really hard for the game to be enjoyable if you're two manning stuff and three manning stuff and putting a blindfold on and all this. Like you're making it really hard for the game to hit you where you are because you're at the very, very edge of the community. Not a lot of people can play like you, not a lot of people play as much as you. So it's going to be less likely you're going to enjoy the content. And again, this cuts both ways. As I said, if you're at the bottom of the percentage, if you play an hour a week, if you barely touch the game and you don't want to be challenged at all, it's unlikely you're going to enjoy the content because you're at the very bottom of the percentage. Like, think about it like that. It's not fair for a bottom 1% player who barely touches the game and can barely shoot straight. For You can't ask them. They can't start asking for content. Oh, the, the season pass structure and the content just really isn't structured for my play style. I only play one hour a week. I'm never going to level up the season pass. I'm never going to level up my artifact. I'm never going to get a god roll. Well, people will be like, homie, you're barely playing the game. Do you see what I'm saying? They're the inverse. A hardcore player at the top 1% who plays way more than 99% of the community and at a skill level that's higher than 99% of the community, you can't ask for the season pass content to be built for you either. If you're playing an hour a week or 100 hours a week, you're at the edges. Like Asking content to be structured for you at either end of the spectrum, it's just unlikely you're going to be satisfied. They're just not going to make content for you. They can't. You either barely play or you play way too much. You're well outside the bell curve. The more closer you are to the bell curve, the more you're probably going to enjoy the content. The more you're going to enjoy this structure of delivery. Again, there's just there's just never been there's never been this time in the game where now you could say that Vault of Glass Forever 29 or low drop rates on Fatebringer or you know, or things like that created a hardcore grind week to week, but I'm going to push back and be like, not really. You ran Vogue with your eyes closed. It wasn't that hard. And if you didn't get the Fatebringer, you came back next week. 
there wasn't like a really hardcore loot pursuit there it's it's your prank it's like the anarchy grind for me right now we go into scourge of the past i don't even say anything i'm mute the, the, the team handles everything i sit and snipe a couple of guys we go down bake the boss and i don't get it that's not a hardcore grind either it's just being withholding being withholding of a really good item is not a grind that's such a false that's such a false conception that's no that's not a grind that's just being withholding yeah, and was it enjoyable? Was Forever 29 a praised time? Was the incredibly low drop rate of Fatebringer a praised time? I don't think so. Bobazard. As a mainly solo player, I have felt this season to be a lot more accessible to solo players. Do you get this feeling as well? Example, I can log in and complete bounty solo in Lost Sectors and level season pass and hop into Sundial and get new weapons. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe a little too solo friendly. Well, that's not the way I want to say it. Solo friendly is fine, but bounties and progression being the most efficient when you're solo, I think is a problem. I think it's fine for the content to be solo friendly. If that's the way that you want to play, I think that's totally fine. But I don't think it's good to be like, it's more efficient if I play by myself. (laughs) It's more efficient if I don't play with my buddies. So... It's just one of those things where I, I don't necessarily think this is a bad thing, but I think they overswung a little bit on this. Like, bounties need to have more synergy with teammates. They need to be more natural to play flow. And I do think... Here's the thing, guys. I, I, I hate to tell you this, but I think Babazard represents a huge portion of the community, and that's why they that's why the, the, the numbers are good. It's really satisfying. I get home... I don't have to organize my schedule around anybody. I don't have to make sure my buddies are on. I prop my feet. I crack open a beer. I grab my ritual bounties. I go and do my thing. I see the little check marks. I feel progress. It feels good. I set the game down. I go to bed. I don't have to I don't have to be like who's on, who can play. Oh, we messed up. Oh, we failed. Oh man, I want to do some more things tonight. We didn't get it done. Imagine the leveling from the past, right? Oh man, I'm trying to level. I don't like Crucible. I guess I'll play Crucible tonight even though I don't really want to. Five games takes almost your entire play session. I didn't get the drop I needed. I needed boots. I got a kinetic weapon. Frick this freaking game. Right? Like, I think, the, like, by and large, I think a lot of people are doing what Babazard's doing. They're like, well, I get home. It's fun. It's ritualistic. I'm getting stuff. I'm getting looties. I'm doing shooties. And I'm going to bed. And I want to do it more tomorrow because I see I'm seeing the number going up. I'm seeing the progress going up. That's satisfying. Like I said, I think a lot of people are going to have to come to grips with the fact that a lot of people are more of a hobbyist than a hardcore player. And when Bungie said they were targeting the hobbyists and the people who play the game the most, they weren't they weren't targeting the top one percent. They weren't. They were tar- targeting probably that center group that plays a lot like this. Four King Ruler. Do you think that is trying new stuff for the season to make Destiny 3 balance for both parties? Well, I think a lot of this is experimentation to a degree. I don't think they're like cheating us like guinea pigs, but I think a lot of this is experimentation for the next game. Um, I Notions, I think. What would you think if Bungie gave a statement or either through community managers or through the TWAB or something that addressed their position on casual versus hardcore? Maybe they could clarify design philosophy to clear that up. Uh, McCree with a brand new Prime sub. Thank you. Enjoy your dope badge and emotes. Your dope and deserve dope stuff. Like, 
if Bungie were to come out and talk about this, I would think that they would say that they try and offer content that lands on a variety of engagement levels. I don't think they would use the word hardcore. I think they would say, we try and offer content that lands on a variety of engagement levels. So if you play a lot, you're, you're going to be rewarded for that. You're going to get further into the obelisk or the season pass grind. You're going to get more gun drops. You're going to get more chances at god rolls. You're going to get further in the season pass and get extra perks on your guns earlier than somebody else. But if you engage less, you're not getting nothing. You're getting something that's equal for your time. By and large, the philosophy they seem to be trotting out is time put in, loot comes out. Like, equal time in, equal time out. Like, what you put in is what you get out. If you chew a little, you get a little. It's just one of those games that they're designing it in that way. The more you grind Sundial, same with Menagerie. The more you grind the activity, the better you get at it, the more efficient you get at it, the quicker the turnover the loot, the quicker the turnover the loot, the more likely you're going to get the god roll, the more likely you get the god roll, the more sense you're going to be done. And when you do that, that is a what you put in is what comes out. I by and large, I think that's what they're trying to do, which is why I don't think the narrative's helpful from the top one percent acting like this content structure is not working well. I think the exact opposite is true. I think it is working well. They're just way ahead in the in, in the in the rhythm. They're way ahead because where they are now is where most people will get in two months or maybe a month and a half or maybe two and a half months like a lot of players are going to get where they are way later which feels pretty good I spent $10 and I just spent the last month and a half to two months playing the game a lot isn't that what you're mainly playing you know you're mainly paying for that right to have something to do to continue your hobby um I'm king I'm king and sword what would Destiny Bungie have to do to enter the esports space? Love the channel, Lono, and think you'd crush a D2 Twitch Trials broadcast. Well, just wait. Something like that might happen in the future on my channel. Because, yeah. Anyway. Um, to, be, to enter the esports space, they would need a split sandbox and dedicated servers. Um, no question. There's no, there's, there is no if, ands, or buts about this. If, if they want to enter the esports landscape, tournaments and money on the line and all that and qualifiers, they need it. They would need dedicated servers in a split sandbox. They need to be able to tweak the PvP sandbox separately. And they need much better, uh, much better anti, they need much better anti-cheat. Much better anti-cheat. There's almost no anti-cheat right now. So, uh... Rolf, son of Shepard, do you think it would be a good idea to bring back old D1 raid but with updated gear? Uh, we've gotten this question a lot. No, a lot of time and effort would be put into bringing back a D1 raid. Raids are played by a minority of the community, so you're already focusing on a small portion of the community, and you're giving something that would be criticized as being a reskin. Uh, Jack, do you think the D1 infusing system for average light? No. I think infusing is stupid. I think we should go to slot leveling. Infusing guns is dumb now. They've made it to where you don't even really need to to, to infuse. We should just be slot leveling. Once the slot is 960, everything should be a 960 in that slot. What, what is gained by me having a 960, a 958, a 957, a 953? What's gained by that? Nothing. And there's no real reason. There's no real reason for me to go grind for currency to level them all to 960 because it doesn't do anything to my experience because I have an artifact that makes up the leveling differences. Like, oh, my power weapon's 957. Who gives a frick? I've got an artifact that's plus 10 or plus 11 or whatever. Slot leveling, infusion has got to be one of the most unneeded, most unneeded systems in the game right now. Just go to slot leveling. 
uh fray fray hardcore without being an account recoverer or content creator in your opinions is it possibly a hardcore as a pvp only player not right now no they don't give you a reason to log in and grind the entire season there's nothing there's no daily weekly or seasonal or monthly grind there's nothing ritualistic about pvp right now and that all needs to come from shacks I've continued to say Shaxx needs to look like an obelisk every season. Weapon frames, so you have intentional loot pursuit and a reason to stay in the playlist all day to go for a god roll. Then, seasonal ranks. Like, as you level him up, you get seasonal ranks. Maybe your your uh, your bounties can complete faster. Maybe you get more tokens. Maybe you get more XP the higher you rank the season. Then you can have ornamental rewards. So, the guns you've been grinding for all season have ornaments at the bottom of a season rank. And then, because the Eververse is freaking busting at the seams, you could say ship sparrow and a ghost at the, at the highest levels of, of crucible rank as a, as a testimony that you played a bunch there needs to be a daily weekly and monthly sit, you know seasonal ritualistic grind for crucible because they can't dump a lot of new content into the crucible they can't they can't come up with a new game mode or 18 new maps every season it's just not possible so the way that you keep crucible fresh is through the npc and a seasonal grind that drops rewards and benefits as you level up along with a loot pursuit the two lanes that keep people playing are a sense of progression and a sense of reward, and that's exactly what that that would do. Um, that's what I that that's what I would do if I was in charge, because then next season you don't have to do much. You reset your rank with Shacks. He's got some new frames, got new decorative things, got new seasonal benefits. The higher rank you get, and so now as you log in day to day, week to week, month to month, you feel a sense of progress in the season as well as a sense of reward because you're grinding for the guns. And then, and then another thing you could do. I think that would be needed is start taking the triumphs that give you or the missions that give you shaders and stuff and just have daily, weekly, and monthly objectives. You go to him and you check what's his daily and weekly and monthly objective and as you're playing, you're completing that objective and you're getting maybe boosts of XP for your rank with him or rewards like the shaders and stuff that they've done. Instead of making it a quest, make it be like a rotating objective. Um, So... Uh, Sharadsky. I know your thoughts on Gambit, but do you think that adding more modes that combine both PvE and PvP elements would be good for the game, or should they stay away from it? I would say they would need to stay away from it because the worst things about Gambit are the PvP elements, and that's that's what makes it really, really hard to blend, and that's why Gambit is just a PvP game mode in disguise. Uh, v Drown Joke. Took a break to play other games in the last two weeks of December so that I don't self-impose drought. I came back in January and maxed out three obelisks. I'm excited to get my last permanent reward buff and I'm still grinding bounties. What player would you describe me as? You sound like a hobbyist that just takes breaks. You're playing a lot. You're putting in the time. You understand the game. You understand what to do first and in what order. I would say you're a hobbyist. You you, you know, and you, you take breaks. I Like... A hardcore player to me is somebody who literally does everything as fast as possible and also wants things to be pretty tough, grindy, or slow. Like, hardcore players are asking for things to either be really, really challenging or slow or grindy or... And they're also playing a ton. They're getting everything, you know, done, like, right away. These are the people that argued for slow leveling and slow infusion and then they hit level cap in two weeks and argued that infusion wasn't that painful. So they argued for pain points that they didn't experience. Leveling should be slow. Why? You hit level cap in two weeks. You're just putting everybody else on a treadmill. Infusion should be costly. Why? It costs you nothing. You're destiny rich. It's not that hard to have stuff to infuse. Just play like me. Barely infuse or do all the things I do to get infusion materials. So again, they argued for pain points that they didn't have to experience. Dredge in yours with four months. Thank you. Forktanimo Bay. 
You think instead of three exotics this season, it would have been better if they released only one or two exotics uh, and one strike? Do you think one strike per season is too much to ask? This is... This is a shoulda, woulda, coulda question. I don't know how to answer these. I, I don't know. One strike wouldn't get a whole lot of movement or capital. I think exotics are really easy value transmission. People see the people see the calendar. They see exotics. They get excited. Strikes lose their luster really quickly because they just get thrown into a playlist anyway. Uh, Niji Wave. Should Bungie increase the chance of masterwork guns and armor from content of, say, a year old to keep player rotation leading into end of life? Um, sure. Uh, Sunfire. What do you think the Empyrean Foundation could be? Do you believe it's going to be like Mars Community Event? A Mars Community Event, I believe that there's lore in the lore that they released that, you know, I believe Osiris is going to be changing uh, Mercury. He seems to think that he can change Mercury. You put Mars, but it's Mercury. Oh, like the Mars Community Event, I'm sorry. He seems to believe that he can change Mercury with the Sundial, and I believe we're going to change Mercury. It'll be the hub for trials, whether it's Osiris or Saint, and uh, it'll, it'll, the planet will look different, and it'll be part of a community challenge. Philip, do you think the hardcore players want more time spent doing a variety of content or higher skill gap? It's a variety of things. I think they want to be things to be slower and more grindy and more challenging. It's all a variety of those current requests. You know, um, T-Rex is talking about, you know, if they want to be a traditional, you know, MMO, there needs just to be more to do. Like, there just needs to be more grind. He's more of a traditional grinder. Like, he wants things to be grindy. He doesn't mind it if it takes a really, really long time. That's more of what, he, like, a background that he would be coming from. He loved the slow grind in No Man's Sky when it first came out, when you literally were slow grinding extra inventory slots like Sam ate that up you know and but then you got then you got glad asking for really challenging content you know ball busting content it's a variety of things along that spectrum it should be slower it should be more grindy it should be more more challenging it's it's, it's along that it's all on that spectrum uh wuggly you think that we should go back to the old exotic system and old ingram system this could include ingram drops as legs and it'd only be legs it would bring back these coins and based rewards the reason I ask this is the quest seem easy to get or too short Devil's Ruin's a perfect example of this uh, there was no feeling of finally getting the exotic well again they're targeting the main player base and that's not the main player base nobody wants to wait all dadgum season to get a stupid exotic bounty to drop like the thorn was originally dropping in D1 that was stupid um, nobody wants to wait an entire season to not get the exotic anarchy 1k voices nobody wants that dude nobody I'm sorry to tell you nobody wants that I know for you it's great when it finally drops you have this feeling of elation it's hard to replicate that you, you finally get your hands on it oh, finally but that feeling of elation is very short-lived the next week you're kind of over it and the rest of the player base is just sitting there like could we could, could we could we please get it we, we, we don't have it you know flame was seven months haven't been able to watch streams in a while but I love listening to your podcast and uh, on my run every morning thank you flame for seven months uh, and I thank dredgen for four months thank you uh, if glad once he can play the heaviest MMORPG I know Skyrim is offline and people can afford many times in Skyrim well but at the same time right like these people have developed affinities for the game they like to speed run they like to do low man they like to do challenges like they developed an affinity for the game I believe they're asking something of the game that it can't deliver it has never delivered and probably won't deliver in the near future if ever uh, abs forever for two months thank you four months from Jack desist I appreciate that welcome back Studly. How do you think engagement with endgame content would change if Bungie made a game a good in-game matchmaking for raids and not any content? There can't there can't be good matchmaking for raids. Um, run run menagerie with people that don't understand the content and you'll know very quickly that raids can't be matchmade. I've changed my position on that. 
doesn't it just doesn't work um captain if there was limited bandwidth focuses on pvp as they did with gambit and season of drifter would the pve engagement drop again too um oh like if next season is like a pvp season oh of course of course you're basically asking me if they don't give us any new pve content in a season will engagement drop in pve well uh, yes uh, yes very much so would it drop Uh uh-huh it would um beer pie do you think activity completion should grant more xp for completions my idea is to say you're grinding strikes each completion should grant 10 additional percent if you're going them in a row this is right out of another talk beer pie you must not have been here for it yes my i have a video called uh bounty xp versus activity xp or something like that and we talked about this the percent should go up the longer you're in the playlist uh it'd be a reason to stay in there um it has to be it has to be on a um it's you're fine you probably weren't here it has to be on a tiered system though you don't want somebody running back and forth in a locked sector getting more xp than somebody who is running strikes or nightfalls or raids um you also like it right now you you can live in a lost sector and just grind bounties you don't want to replicate that with activities right like yeah just live in a lost sector and you're gonna you're gonna get a, a ridiculous amount of xp the xp gains need to be adjusted to be like barely anything for a patrol or a lost sector or a pub event and then it goes up for a strike out of the playlist like if you just pick a strike like and you're just gonna grind all day lake of shadows xp payout should be decent it should go up for strikes it should go up the longer you're in the playlist it should go up for nightfalls it should go up for nightfall the ordeal it should go up for raids you know what i mean it should it should definitely go on a scale you just got to be careful with it because eventually you could you could potentially just have people living in a strike or living in a lost sector and it wouldn't be much different than what they're doing now i'm sick of bounties yeah well if they make the most efficient way to level up to run lake of shadows all day you'd say the same thing right you got to be careful you don't create another problem while trying to solve one majin ryu you can make something like the ultimate raids and have the highest difficulty that grants for example the strongest weapon or something attractive for the hardcore and make them for the one percent does something like that sound like it would fit in destiny no it wouldn't that's not destiny it's never been like that not for five years right the closest we had to that was vog with Fatebringer, right the hardcore players turn every raid into ribbons it takes a week and it's ribbons we carry we drag people through that have no idea what they're doing like i did it in d1 it just they're they've never ever created content like that and honestly i don't think that they should i don't think that they should even if tomorrow they turned on contest modifier and gave some really great reward for garden of salvation contest modifier it wouldn't matter and if you raise it and you make it to where contest modifier shows you skulls and it's ridiculous and the fail rate is in the fail rate is absurd i that that number one that feels false and not real it's like well you're literally just beating the snot out of the player that's not even a true difficulty and number two would that be hyper you know satisfying or super satisfying to the hardcore players probably not listen listen i'm going to i'm going to let you in on a little secret they like that the content's not that hard because then they can one and two man and, and show off you can't show off if the delta is so absurd that it's, it's, it's almost unbeatable <laughs> like they, they, they don't want they wouldn't want it to be that difficult they wouldn't because then it would hurt the entire idea of like speed running or low manning it right I, I, I genuinely think like deep down they kind of like the fact that the raids do become easier with time because it enables them to do all these flashy cool things that nobody else can do 
like barely beating something where the delta is so absurd that like the fail rate is insanely high i don't think that would go over very well at all right i just don't think it would like this is boring this is grueling this is a meat grinder this is that this is not this isn't satisfying so I don't like they've never made content that difficult. I don't really think that they should. I think it's way out of step of the of, of the identity of the game, and it would get really, really terrible engagement. Why design content for nobody? If you measure the if you measure the one percent in the grand scheme, it's hard not to be like you're literally making content for nobody. What a thousand people out of a million do it? What the frick? Like how many people got a last wish jacket? How many? Like, I got one. How many out of the entire community got a Last Wish jacket, right? Do, do, do you want to keep doing that? I don't, think that's, I don't think that's a good call. I don't think it's a good call. You're making content for nobody. It just, I don't think, I don't think it works. It's not a good business decision. Who's going to buy content when they know half of it's for people that, that know life the game and play at a level they'll never be? You know? Enough that they kept making jackets... Well, they made the raids a whole lot easier to beat week one, didn't they, Flame? <laughs> with with what? Contest modifier. Don't you see? The exclusivity and the hardcore nature of Forsaken just continues to wither and not be repeated. They do contest modifier. So if you beat it in the first day, you get, a ne- you get an emblem. And then after that, contest modifier drops off and a bunch of people beat it. <laughs> like, it's not remotely the same. It's not remotely the same. They've softened, they just keep softening those edges. Uh, Mr. Storm, my question for you, do you think or wish Destiny 2 will do next season to make the game better, like New Exotic Trials PvE? I really want Trials to come back. I think it'd be good if they can, but they gotta, they gotta get anti-cheat working. There's not a good anti-cheat system in place. Um, Wish You Luck was in chat this morning, and he made a good point. He's like, they take weeks to research somebody and ban them, and by the time they do that, that person can have alt accounts ready to go. Like, because it takes weeks. It takes weeks to research the stats to ban somebody, and then they can jump right back in because it's free to play. So even if you do my idea of like making people level up and making people run a quest to to run in trials, which was like, if they sell recoveries, one one fishy lighthouse run isn't gonna ring off any alarm bells, right? Oh, this guy Steve in North Dakota had a really fishy, you know, trials card, flawless trials card. Uh, what do we do? Oh, this guy over here in California had a really fishy trials card. All these different accounts are going to have fishy trials cards. What are you going to do? You're going to ban somebody for one fishy trials card? They're probably not going to. And and that the person that's doing the recoveries and cheating is using a VPN, you're not going to know who's doing it. Obviously, if all these different accounts are being played on the same IP, you could find them, but then they would just change their IP. It literally takes them weeks to do data research. Like, the guy recently, they claimed he got banned wrongfully. They were like, multiple people reviewed your multiple accounts over weeks. And then they finally pulled the trigger on him. And screw that guy, right? Like, take it. But, they they don't have anti-cheat. Anti-cheat is literally, you're using a cheat. Get the frick out right now. Blocked from playing. Boom. We detected third-party software. Boom. They need anti-cheat. Because what they're doing right now ain't working. And it ain't going to work for trials. They can put defensive measures in place. You got to hit 950. You got to do a two week long quest with Saint. That would certainly help. But again, if somebody's doing it for recoveries, then it ain't going to matter. 
Because all those people, Steve in North Dakota and Bob in California, that are going to pay some cheater to play for them, they can be ready to go. They're 950, they've done the Saint Quest, boom. And they're one fishy trials card in a sea over the weekend, just a sea of people playing. They're one person. So they need to be either actively of reviewing accounts live or they need to have anti-cheat. That's preventative. You're running third-party software. You cannot play. Anti-cheat for Fortnite and Apex was literally required because it got overtaken by cheaters because, oh, we banned them. Thanks. It's free game and they made another account and they're back again. Mon Simmons. I think full-time Destiny streamers shouldn't be catered to. I agree. In terms of content, mechanics, etc. Their feedback is valuable, but they're not uh, for whom the game is made. Do you think bandwagoning on their narratives is bad for the game? That's literally why I've spent the last two to three games, like, basically pushing back against that narrative. Rage, do you go to the gym, daddy? No, I'm not a, I'm not a gym rat. I probably should be. But I'm not. Um... I, I, that's why I've been pushing back against the narrative because I don't think it's helpful. I don't think it's helpful to get really, really hyped and excited and to retweet trailers and to stream like crazy and bag in all the relevancy and then a month later talk about how it's not satisfying and there's nothing to do. It's just, I don't think it's, I think it's a very unhealthy cycle of overplaying and then criticizing content or asking for things that are not good for the player base at large. I don't know how you can sit and watch Bungie remove all of the hardcore streamer input for the last year and continue to argue for hardcore streamer input. It's like, have you not realized that everything you guys argued for has been taken out of the game because it wasn't good and it wasn't helpful? Green Bakers. What about a separate playlist with set weapons like Call of Duty? I've gotten this question a thousand times. The minute you do set weapons or curated loadouts, people won't engage with it. They want to be able to use their favorite gun, their god roll. They want to be able to use their favorite exotic or whatever. The minute you do curated loadouts, you're basically creating Halo or Call of Duty. You're playing another game. The minute you push against the the loot aspect or the space magic aspect, you're creating something that's not Destiny and people wouldn't like it. Flame. Do you not feel like this is an issue that every casual looty shooty player is uh, over light? Oh, they're overpowered for all the content in the game. What's the point of grinding light or super good weapon rolls if you never have a piece of content where it is needed? But as it was brought up earlier, when we went for tier 12 in Destiny 1, or God Roll Imago Loops, or God Roll Grasp of Malox, or Genesis Chain from the Raid, or Steel Medulla, or the, or, or the X Machina Sniper Rifle, we didn't go for those because there was some destination on the other side of the raid that we needed them for. We wanted them. They're trophies. They feel cool. They're, they're, they feel strong. They make you feel, they make you feel dope when you use it, right? It... it I, there's never really been a time like that. Now, I'm not saying that that means they don't need to do something. As I said a little bit ago, there needs to be something that presses against you. Whether it's... And I don't think they can do it with power level because eventually with the artifact, you're over-leveled anyway. I think... I do think contest modifier is the ticket. I think master level content needs to become contest level. Meaning, you're delted. You see swords. That's when you start to feel the need for a god roll, a min-max loadout, the right build, the right mods. You need, you're going to feel that need because you're being pressed upon by the delta. You're a little bit weaker. They're a little bit stronger. Suddenly, uptime on grenades and efficiency with your weapon matters a lot more than it did prior. I think contest modifier is the ticket 
before difficulty spectrum to land properly because right now what happens is difficulty spectrum lands and eventually we overcome it we get above the delta and it's like this is a joke this is not hard master level nightmare hunts when we were running them for the time trials and we were under the delta and we saw swords it was it was the exact context where we were analyzing our loadouts strategizing and synergizing as a team that doesn't happen if you don't press on the player with that kind of a challenge so I'm I was very anti delta like in the past but when it's a soft delta and it's not absurd I think it works and I think it worked in master level nightmare hunts but the minute we rolled up into that delta and I no longer saw swords it just wasn't that difficult anymore we didn't really have to synergize as a team we could play sloppy it was it was a completely different experience so I think you should have normal and then you have legend to kind of like ease people up. I think legend sundial is so you just remove extinguish and add matchmaking. That allows people to kind of like ramp up and then master should drop no matchmaking and it should be it should be a contest modifier. So you literally can't be overleveled for the for the engagements. Like this is exactly why they do contest modifier in the raid race. It's the same logic. People are going to be coming in with with a variety of levels, and some will be at or above the delta of an encounters, and that gives them a speed advantage. You do more damage, you stay alive longer, and it messes up the raid race. Contest modifier is a, a brilliant a brilliant idea that needs to be implemented elsewhere to create this semblance of there's difficulty spectrum that feels genuine the biggest problem with everything I just said is if they do that in seasonal content and they put dope loot in there it's gonna really really be ill received by the community because by the time you get strong enough to go in there and go for it it could be that the season's half over or almost over and you feel like a portion of the value that of your $10 was withheld from you the value of the seasons here, there's a portion over here that's withheld from you because you can't go in there. That's the problem with everything I just said. It's a three-month season for 10 bucks, and people want to feel like they can kind of think about what the Eververse argument stems from. I want to get everything. You talk about that sentimentality getting really, really pricked and annoyed, it would get really, really annoyed and really and really provoked if people felt like you just sliced off dope stuff from the season and put it into a place that only the top 10% are truly going to get to experience, like raids. Raids get like a 10% community engagement. They're painted into a corner by the technical restrictions of the game because they can't create content that stays here forever. And even when they could, like with Menagerie, they still fumbled that ball. They still didn't really put a strong loot incentive in Menagerie Heroic. They've done this for a while. They've honestly done this since Last Wish. They don't put exceptionally great rewards in the hard content. And I think it's part of their philosophy of like, we don't want people feeling like value is withheld from them. Is it fair to say seasonal model isn't good then, literally for anyone except the people who view the game as a patrol shooter? I mean, I think that's in a very extreme way to state it. I think you're stating it in a way that's a little bit hyperbolic. I would say, as I've said many times, the seasonal model is built for hobbyist players. And I believe hobbyist players come in all shapes and sizes. I'm a hobbyist player, but I put in a hardcore level of hours. You know, see what I'm saying? So, like, it's built for the hobbyist player. It's built for people that just want to play the game as a hobby. It's not built for people that want a two-man raid or want to play the dungeon moment one and be the world's first in it or or solo it or solo flawless it. Like, it's not built for those people. 
The seasonal content is meant to be a rhythm of trickle of hobbyist content after Shadowkeep. Shadowkeep delivered a raid, it delivered a dungeon, it, it, it delivered uh, two exotics that required you to go into aspirational content, the Divinity and the Xenophage. It delivered a lot of stuff that was not at the bottom or the middle rung of the content, it was in the top of the rungs, and now that we're beyond that, it's more, it's more hobbyist, it's more mid lane. It's in the middle lane of the game. Last season, you needed to grind light to do the moon content. I think Ultra of Sorrow is 960. Exactly, Flame. I think there's a sli- there's a dividing line here that's happening. DLC lands, and a portion of that Shadowkeep DLC has stuff for those players. The hardcore players get a raid. They get a level grind that matters. They get a dungeon. They get exotics that you've got to go into aspirational content to even get. And then... When the season content starts dropping, it's more focused on day-to-day hobbyist players, not hardcore grinders. You know? So, I I think that's where it's getting sliced. Digital Marine was 16 months. Thank you. Mr. Junior Ice hitting for three years of subs. That's a three-year badge. Thank you guys very, very much. Shadowkeep wasn't seasonal content. Vex Offensive was. That's exactly right, Rain. That is exactly right. Look at Shadowkeep and look at Vex Offensive and Ikora, and people were concerned. They're like, I don't know if that's the seasonal content. That's pretty thin. And then Shadowkeep was a dungeon. It was a lectern. It was nightmare hunts that went up to 980. It was a raid. It was exotics that required you to go into aspirational content. The lectern grind for the weapons was slow and not super quick. None of that was created for casuals. Anybody arguing the game's being casualified is just not looking at the total picture at all. Even now, even now, if you look at the grind for the obelisks and god rolls in the in in the sundial, it's not built for casuals. They can go in there, but it certainly isn't structured for them. It requires a lot of time. It really does. You you ask casuals how far they are in their season pass and their obelisk grind. Ask them. Ask them how far they are. You know, they're way behind you if you've got that stuff done. I promise you they are. It just, it isn't, it is not, it is not set up for them. People are just getting done really, really fast and using that as an indictment of the content, which I believe is a bad way to think about it. Casual, I hit 80 last night. Right, I'm 140. You know, there's a 62 in chat. You see what I'm saying? Obelisk level 4, rank 47. I'm telling you right now, it... And you're like, oh, they're casualifying it. They're casualifying. No. No, they're not. Because if a casual ends the season and feels like they kind of just skated in, they just kind of finished everything, and you got god rolls and you had max this and max that, that's kind of exactly how it should be. You got way more out of the $10 because you played more. It, 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 it works along a spectrum. Side quest. We've talked about this before, but what are the chances Bungie puts up some sort of LFG lobby in the game for raids and other activities? Seemingly, this would increase the percentage of players that engage with those activities. This doesn't seem like a front-burner issue, or they would have done it a long time ago, or they would have done this instead of guided games, or they would have by now replaced guided games with that. I don't think I don't think they want to ded- dedicate uh, time to this, because most people that use LFG would continue using LFG, and they wouldn't use the end game. They would just keep going off-site or using their clan or using their friends list. I think it would become another, like, it would just become another place that just gets dominated by the by the people that want to get carried or don't have a mic or don't know what the frick's going on. Most of the hardcore, most of the most of the the knowledgeable raid players just would continue using that what they've been using for the last five years. People do not like to change. People do not like to change at all. 
So if you're like, dude, I've been using LFG for five years, it works just fine. I got a clan, I got a Discord, I got a whatever. I think it would get really low engagement from the right people. <laughs> the same way Guided Games doesn't get engagement with the right people, the knowledgeable players, the long-standing players, they just keep using what works for them, which is their clan, their friends list, and LFG. So in-game LFG, I think people would people would ignore it largely, which would be a lot of wasted development time than for a tool that would get low use. Gritter. Uh, to make bounties more friendly towards playing with your friends instead of solo, would it be okay to allow group kills instead of solo kills for the bounties? If not, could Bungie to make the bounties more friendly? Gritter, man, you're here a lot, dude. We've kind of went, we've kind of went through this. This doesn't really need to be asked unless you just totally missed it. Um, this also doesn't feel like a needed question, homie. Like, uh, yes. <laughs> yes, I love you, but yes, of course, make it shared. Like, you know, make it work with a team. We've already kind of said this. Uh, I feel like we've dealt with that enough. Um, Lordful Mine. If you brought up too often in these discussions, but how often... Oh, it's not brought up too often in these discussions. How much of the hardcore's argument is driven by feeling of elitism? You feel better when you have something the other guy doesn't get. Um, <laughs> Listen, I don't like doing that. I don't like projecting... Um, I do not like projecting onto somebody an emotional uh, or... I don't like projecting an intention. I don't like doing that. People do that all the time to me, and I and I hate it when they do it because it's like you don't know me. You don't know the way that my mind works. You don't know the way that I'm motivated or how my heart works, right? I don't want to project on them elitism, but there's definitely a lot of people who make an argument that kind of sounds that way. I want to get something that nobody else can get. I want to get something that that is that makes me cool. Um, the 960 was an argument that happened. When they raised Pinnacle up to 970 and they raised the base level gear, to ni- gear score to 960, there were a ton of people that were like, well, now I'm not exclusive. That's lame. You're making it too easy to get to 960. That was a trophy. Well, it's like, well, yeah, but now the new trophy's 970. Do you see what I'm saying? There are people that argue that way. I don't think it's helpful to project that onto them. Like, I, it's not helpful in this discussion for me to say, well, Glad just wants exclusivity. He just wants to be cool. That's not helpful. I'm just projecting. He might not give a rip about that. I think there's a layer of it. I think he does like to be the guy with the clips and the videos and the and the and the stream where you go and watch stuff that nobody else can do. That that's that's obviously part of the brand. I mean, he even said he even kind of made an argument that like he wants content. Like there, he said there are people like us that live and die by what Bungie puts out. Bungie should not be creating a game for content creators and streamers. They don't they don't owe us anything, right? Um. But I don't want to project on that and be like, well, he's just arguing for himself and he just wants to feel elite. I don't feel like that's helpful. I more look at the facts. The facts are you play more than, than most of the community. You play you play at a level higher than most of the community and therefore it's going to be very difficult for them to create content for you, you know? Um, On the donut. I'm mainly a PvP main since D1 and all I really want are dedicated servers. Do you think D3 will have them or no? We're all hoping that they do because that's a very, very common expectation these days, especially on the new consoles that are coming out. People are going to expect top-tier performance and peer-to-peer ain't it. Uh, Mr. Storms, do you think... Excuse me. Do you think George should have bounties which gives you exotics as well as XP? No, I don't think. I don't think we need more exotics. Uh, from Zur. I think he should give you a way to grind for the roles that you want, but not not bounties for an exotic. Uh, Captain, if Trials for PvP is the equivalent of Raids for PvE, wouldn't that go against catering to the majority of the community? 
Uh, no. No, I don't think so. I do think that there's a time and a place to give stuff to the top. Raids are one of those things. Dungeons are one of those things. Mysterious quests like the Outbreak and the, and the, and the Whisper. I think there's a time and a place for those things. You know? I think there's a time and a uh, there's a time and a place for those things, and I think trials is another. You know, hey, there's there's a place for that. Uh, I'm se- I'm seen. What do you think people thought D1 was so much better than D1 because it was new? People have rose colored glasses. I've had this conversation for four years. Two of those years were spent in Destiny One. Right? We always have that. We. We, we, we always have that. We always have this conversation about, oh, I ran out, I played too much. You know, I ran out, I played too much. I, I, there's nothing to do. We've been talking about this for D1 to D2. You know, it's, it's, we've always had this conversation. People just look back on D1 with rose-colored glasses. Like, people will say things about D1 that are unbelievably false. Like, the DLC format was better back then. The frick it was, we had massive droughts. Months of nothing to do. It wasn't better. All easy. Somewhat off topic in terms of being able to rerun raids for non-powerful rewards. What if Guided Games run was non-powerful? You're not going to resurrect Guided Games, homie. So I'm just going to tell you to stop trying. Um, Because people would exploit that. They would try and go into Guided Games and match to their buddies. It'd be really hard to keep people from doing that. I just don't think you can resurrect it and get it to work right. Even with a good incentive like that. People would just manipulate it and try to get in with their buds. Uh, Jinja 300. Do you think that they should have adept weapons again like the extra perk from the season pass and make the adept weapon slightly different design on them? We basically said they should have reserved that extra perk for legend only. So yeah, I think that would have worked. I don't think you can call them adept because that takes up more space in the in the database. They have literally two versions of the weapon, but having one drop with the extra perk and it's the same in the database, you just open up that extra perk in legend would have been a better way to do it. Executioner. When talking about factions yesterday, it got me thinking. I know you brought up Shaxx to act like an obelisk for the hardcore PvP player, but do you think that they could even make factions a part of the, uh, the equation as well? Maybe separate armor for PvE and PvP, depending on which activity style you interact with with factions. You think they'd be asking for too much? Well, they can't separate loot. They've said that before. You can't have, like, PvP armor and PvE armor. That's not a thing. But yeah, I, I think I even said yesterday, having the factions NPCs look similar to an obelisk season to season would be cool because then you could just use that as your rally you know it's here's their here's their seasonal rank and here's some cool stuff if you get to level 50 level 75 and level 100 and then when rally shows up they introduce a couple weapons and then they go away and then the next rally those weapons become available all the time and there's two new weapons so the old weapons always slam down and they're available all the time at the next rally so there's a reason to grind during the rally because they'll go away for a little bit but then they'll eventually come back next rally and then they're available all the time I think an obelisk-style menu for a lot of the NPCs would go a long way. The idea is we've trotted out for the raid, for Shaxx, for Zavala, and what you're saying for factions, 100% would be a big value add. And then, that's good scaffolding, that's good structure, you just fill that every season. You don't have to come up with all these new concepts and all these new things, it's just like, the factions are going to get some new stuff, some new cool seasonal rewards, some new flashy things, Shaxx and Zavala got some too, and then here's the new seasonal activity with its loot pool and its grind and its stuff. You know, imagine Sundial and Obelisks being complemented by the fact that Shaxx and Zavala had an Obelisk-style menu this season where, well, I'm kind of done with Sundial, let me grind let me grind a bunch of strikes for Zavala so I can rank up and get his cool stuff and his guns, and then the PvP players could be grinding Shaxx for the same reason. 
and then if factions are showing up weekly and then the factions are in the tower that's another grind for you to focus on well I'm kind of done with Savala I'm kind of done with the sundial let me go look at the you know let me go look at the factions well that's just bounties Lono that's just running old content yeah well they got to work with what's there and that would still give you something to set your sights on something to capstone something to finish every season you know so I, th- I think there's a lot that they could do. I've just continued to use my platform to push against some what I feel like is a bad narrative and it's unhelpful in the grand scheme of things. This is going to be the last question from Slayer. If Bungie were to instead of bring D1 raids into D2 as a separate a la carte package for 25 bucks like Call of Duty did previously with all the zombie maps, would that be something you'd be interested in? That would probably be the only time I would agree with an optional purchased form of content because it's raids and people would understand that it's something that they don't need to buy but I really do feel like it would still get criticized you're charging us for content that we already had in D1 it would it's just risky I would buy it I think the rating community would probably be okay with it the naysayers and the haters would be like well thanks Bungie instead of making new content for us or instead of making sure the season pass was full of more stuff you guys just reskinned old content and sold it for 10 bucks like I still don't know if it would go over that well. It's still risky, even though it's a smaller portion of the player base who would largely think that was awesome, it would still run the risk of creating this bad perception of you guys aren't giving us enough in the season pass, and you're then you're trying to sell us more stuff that's ultimately just a reskin, you know? I would buy it, but I think it would get criticized, so... If you're new here and you've enjoyed this, I appreciate you watching. I'm going to keep streaming. We can keep talking. You can keep asking me questions. We can keep debating. Uh, If you've enjoyed your time here, it's like an interactive podcast. You can hang out here and lurk while you're working, while you're playing, whatever. It's family friendly. Uh, You don't have to worry about you know, if somebody walks in the room while you're, you're at your job or your kids or whatever. So if you've enjoyed yourself, do me a favor and click the follow button and turn on notifications. That is a free way uh, to support me coming in, coming in here every day. There's been a lot of new faces and a lot of repeat customers the last couple of days coming in and hanging out, taking part of Q&A, and I appreciate you being here and joining the community. Thank you very, very much. Uh, another great thing you can do to help me is follow me on Twitter and give my give my pinned tweets some love. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I have a talent agency that I work with, and they're trying to get me hosting shoutcasting and commentating jobs I've I've I was a, a host for E3 uh, for Twitch at E3 I've shoutcasted Fortnite for Microsoft and I was a part of Twitch Rivals um, that's a great way to support me that pin tweet if you know people in the industry uh, if you know people that plan conferences or tournaments and you want to put me in touch with them that'd be great even those of you that are listening to this elsewhere if you're on YouTube or you're listening to the audio version head to my Twitter and do that it's a really really easy help just go to Twitter and look for say no to rage or you can use a Twitter command in chat uh, as always if you listen in the other locations I appreciate you doing that you can always catch me at say no to rage.com as always please like share and subscribe <laughs>